The future of business is responsible. El futuro de los negocios es reescribir el crecimiento de las empresas. Conscious commingling of growth and impact. Le futur du business est conscient et responsable. The future of business is intentional and transparent. De toekomst van bedrijven zal de combinatie van kennis, creativiteit. Welcome everybody. And thanks for joining us for another session of Future of Business. The podcast where we take you on a journey to explore the diverse range of sectors and stories embedded within the Oxford MBA cohort and beyond, and how they will shape the future of business. My name is Andreas, and I will be hosting your conversation today with Melissa Ben. Hello. Uh, Melissa, thank you so much for having us. Let's, let's kind of dive into topics sneakingly. What did you have for lunch today? A wonderful question. I had roast or barbecued jackfruit. It's like a vegetarian alternative to pork. It has that same kind of shredded texture. Very delicious. I love Czech food. Guys, we don't like, if you don't know Czech food, look it up. They're huge and delicious. Look it above up. Above savory and sweet dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason we're chatting about food so much. Mm-hmm. Um, because we kind of want to dive into the bigger scope of how, how food is being made. Melissa, can you can you help us dive in? What is for you the future of business? Yes, so it's the future um, of food systems. And food is how we produce, package, consume, transport, waste, what we literally need to survive. Um, so it's, it's hugely complex. It accounts for a third of all greenhouse emissions. Um, so it's hugely impactful and is clearly a huge sector for disruption and a really exciting future. Absolutely. A third of greenhouse emissions is a really big deal. And I'm glad to be together, get the chance to kind of unpack it a little bit here. Can you help us understand why this is so important? Mm. Why would anybody care about food systems? Mm. Um, I see it more as how could anyone not care about food systems? It's something that literally touches every human living on the planet every day. It's how you go to the grocery store and you're like, oh, I want this pack of cookies. Well, where did that pack of cookies come from? Who harvested the sugar? How did that sugar get to a plant? How was that processed? How was it packaged in an appealing way that made you pick it up, go home? How does it taste? How does how do you enjoy the cookie? And then how do you throw away the package later? Okay, it's clear. It's a very <laughs> diff- clearly many, many different aspects to this, but can you kind of understand the urgency mm. beyond tackling it? Mm. So what is, you know, what is it about the system that is broken? Mm. What is it that needs addressing urgently? Mm. Um, I think when you look at food in the context of the climate emergency we're currently facing, um, there are hundreds of problems within our food system. So clearly we have large problems of access. We have some people that are homeless and hungry and are unable to access. We have um, issues of overconsumption. We have issues nutritionally. We have issues of what happens when this food is wasted. Does that go sitting in a, in a, um, in a dumpster, in a landfill? Is it actually repurposed um, and put back into the earth for our meat consumption practices? Um, what I think is really important and, and, and all the conversations we're having around food and climate is just the, the use of words. You talked about the, the climate emergency, the climate emergency instead of the climate change or yeah, the, the climate yeah. disaster or the climate crisis, whatever. Um, but I know that this 
the way we consume food is a is a huge driver for this. Already earlier today, you mentioned that a third of all the greenhouse emissions mm-hmm. actually come from the food you're preserving. Mm-hmm. And if I understood you correctly, it's also that more the beef we're consuming actually emits much mm-hmm. greater amounts of greenhouse gases than the air travel we are doing. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about this and how the impact it has on climate specifically? Mm-hmm. Yes, I think that the our beef industry is definitely, it's not the same as any other part of the food system. And many experts are saying we should be tackling the beef um, industry much as we do fossil fuels and other dirty industries because it's a huge emitter of methane. Um, for example, all male calves um, are killed immediately because they're not good for dairy, obviously, um, and they don't produce the best meat. So the dairy industry has this huge industry with what do you do with male calves? That's just one section of it. But it's the meat industry is very ripe for disruption. There is huge demand for vegan or more sustainable alternatives. And that's leading in the coupling with this huge technical change that we're seeing, technological change, um, in new industries that are looking at how can we produce meat without actually having to kill cattle. Or Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so there's, it's clearly... A lot of things that are going really wrong the way we are consuming, especially meat. So we look at it as like, what are we having for dinner? And what we're actually asking is, what meat are we having? And then everything is considered aside. And we are, we are kind of moving into a into a direction where this is getting better. We clearly get in a direction where there's more and more vegan products there. There's a lot more milk alternatives. There's a couple of amazing startups in the space mm-hmm. that are doing a really good job. Um, can you maybe talk a little bit about a couple of trends in mm-hmm. the area that are helping to tackle these issues? Yeah, I think you can look at the meat problem in multiple different angles. There's clearly the vegan push um, and people that are pushing for less consumption. There's also a segment of society that will always eat beef and will always eat meat. So there is this new technological innovation startups that are saying, okay, how do we tackle the consumer that no matter how harmful beef is, will always eat beef? And so there's a whole new range of cultivated meat products um, and cultivated dairy products where we are actually able to produce biologically the same beef, the same milk, without the slaughter of animals, without the huge amount of water, land, resources required to actually take a pound of meat um, from birth to slaughter to consumption. Right. Us having meat or a dairy without animals being involved. Yeah. Um, that sounds like something that's happening after Elon Musk, Elon Musk got to Mars. Um, can you literally, like, I see how this is an issue. I see how this is something that should be tackled. And mm-hmm. I, I heard some news about this before. But um, for me, it's quite difficult to understand right now. Is this something that is, like, a far-off future? Or yeah. can you kind of help us and explain where we are and in what stage of development are we with these different things. Maybe you can specifically kind of focus on on the one side on, on do we call it cowless beef or like, yeah. <laughs> like the meat that is produced without killing animals and on the, on the other side dairy products yeah. that are being produced without cows involved. So it sounds like sci-fi. It does. But it's mm-hmm. really not it really that does. far out. I know. It's exciting. Um, there is, as you as you kind of mentioned, an issue with how do we name this product. Um, a lot of people kind of see the lab-grown meat 
um, as kind of a, a scary name. Some people are pushing towards clean meat. I'm going to use cultivated meat just for this conversation. Um, but it's a way where we, we cultivate stem cells from beef and then create. So imagine you just create a steak. That's, that's it. You just grow a steak. It's so cool. And it's already being done. The first prototype was, you know, tens, hundreds of thousands of dollars um, because it in included all the costs of R&D. But we're really rapidly getting to a point where it's going to be available. I think 10 years we'll have cultivated meat at the grocery store. Um, so the stage for this development is, mm. okay, what we are doing is we are trying to, to grow a specific state in the lab. Yeah. A steak in, in the lab. Or chicken wing. Or chicken <laughs> wing. I don't think it's going to be fried yet. <laughs> but at least I, I gotta get the idea there's some stem cells being used to mm -hmm. grow specific parts of the animal, rather than the whole animal, yeah. without being a nervous system attached to it that mm -hmm. would feel anything like pain. Um, and, and I see how this is, and I see the impacts of this. So mm -hmm. clearly there's no need for slaughter. There's no need for the water that's being used for care. There's no need for the land. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure you have some ideas on, on how much of the resources being used can, can, be, can be cut down here. And at the same time, I understand that currently people are already doing this. Scientists are actively growing meats mm -hmm. at a very high price point because there's a lot of R&D involved. And the next step for us to tackle is to kind of reduce the price points, tackle it, mm -hmm. and get it to the consumer. Mm -hmm. So this is less than... Um, sci-fi, let's figure out how this is possible thing, and it's more like a businessy. how yeah. can we get this <laughs> to the consumer at scale? How do we create the systems so when the science is ready and it's close, that we're able to, to jump at it, create the factories, the supply chains, the marketing, get it to consumers? Because once they, there's been studies shown that what consumers really care about when food choices, number one is price and convenience. So once this gets to the price point where it's the same, maybe eventually even lower than biological meat, I, it's going to explode. I don't see consumers necessarily caring where it comes from. And then the consumers who do care about the environmental impact, it's going to be a huge boon to be able to um, consume meat which uses 90% less resources than biological meat. Those are the current numbers, but the estimates are. So just imagine 90% of cattle ranching. If you look at Brazil, one of the biggest cattle producers in the world, they're facing huge deforestation issues because they need so much land to literally graze and grow cattle. But if we have these cultivated meat factories, all of that land can be rewild. We can put the forests back where they're supposed to be. And we have so much more water. It's a huge issue, big resource um, for inputs into agriculture. There's so many resources that will be available to us that currently aren't because they're embroiled in this very resource-intensive meat process. That's absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. um, maybe... If we have time later, we can talk a little bit about what we could do with all this land that's being freed with the mm. resources that are being freed up by these developments. And maybe before we jump on this, maybe we can have a look at the other side of the cow. Mm. Um, so not so much about, about the meat, but about the dairy products. Can you tell mm. us a little bit, understand a little bit um, what's happening in this space, what the current developments are, and how this can change the way we consume and how we impact so for dairy, it's similar to cultivated meats, bioreactor dairy. So essentially, still in the scientific phases, what we're able to do is using a, um, a canister, a big vat, basically, 
um, were able to synthesize milk proteins through through um, catalytic processes. So this is just like cultivated meat, literally producing cow milk, but without the cow. And so currently mm-hmm. dairy um, uses a lot of antibiotics and highly industrialized dairy, so the dairy that we're all drinking. Um, and again, just significantly less waste, less inputs into creating dairy. Very exciting. Is this like... Should I imagine it's like it's a, it's a lot of? This is probably somebody that has a, a huge guide, you know, that mm-hmm. somebody would set up a huge factory that would would produce millions of liters of milk per year. Yeah, ideally, absolutely. And I still see a market for the biological milks or meat, but I think once this hits that price point that consumers want, it's going to definitely take over the market because it'd be cheaper to produce. Yeah, I mean, there's already a lot of stuff happening on dairy side. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago, we used to have only, we used to have, you know, different kinds of normal, in quotes, normal milk here, whole, mm-hmm. skinny, whatever. And it was just the last, I think, two to five years when we saw all the alternatives really hitting the shelves. When we saw somebody with soy milk, almond milk, oat milk, at different price points, mm-hmm. where we see a couple of strong brands emerge mm-hmm. from startups. But at the same time, that's what I even more excited about we see a lot of the discounter the normal retailers you know coming in with their own with their own products really kind of serving the market at different price points when it comes to this mm-hmm. and i think we also hit a point now where somebody using soy milk or oat milk is no longer considered like a weird vegan yeah but contrary the opposite starbucks they're all there and that's shows that's become so accepted. What really strikes me about being in the UK is every fast food restaurant here sells these vegan meat options already. Um, and that's very different from the US where Burger King has a um, impossible burger, but really no one else does. Or if they do, it's not really being advertised as heavily. But clearly the, the d- demand for alternative meats is out there. So what's next is just going to be an alternative protein. I'm kind of... Curious when you talk about stuff like um, clean meat mm-hmm. or the new kind of dairy products. Do you think this is gonna kind of compete with mm. existing alternatives like veggie products or oat milk, or is this gonna compete more with the classical yeah. um, animal-grown products? Just just very briefly. It's kind of curious. Yeah, great question. It's definitely gonna compete with both. But the the consumers that these cultivated meat industries are looking to convert are not vegetarians. They're looking to convert meat eaters. So they want to say, hey, you want beef? We're going to give you beef. We're just going to make it much more sustainable. I think there will always be a market for Impossible Burgers or beet patties because there are there will be more hardline vegans um, that are interested more in the purity aspect or just being against animals in general. So this will be playing to your average consumer who does eat meat on a daily basis. Yeah, and it, absolutely. And as we are not looking at a world where there's no cow anymore, yeah. the goal <laughs> is not to get rid of the last cow on Earth and shoot it to the moon of Elon Musk. But instead, <laughs> the goal is to reduce this incredibly scale yeah. of by which... Uh, with which meat and dairy is being produced right now. And we are trying to kind of see the impacts on the macro systems, like uh, the climate, the environment, mm-hmm. and kind of mm-hmm. tone this down. And then we can, we can still have a market for, like, you know, like nice dairy products that are 
locally organically produced there can still be a market for high-end beef restaurants you yeah. know if somebody has a nice angus beef from ireland i think <laughs> it's not the whole point here is for us to kind of try to understand okay where's like this mass production happening versus overconsumption happening and what can we do to kind of bring this back into a more sustainable world. Yeah, it's bringing more choices to the market. Consumers want more choices, and this would be an excellent way to continue eating meat, which we've, you know, been raised to eat. We Our bodies are designed to consume and digest meat, and people like it. But how can we do it in a better way? I, I definitely still see there being an industry for literally eating the cow down the road. Um, but I think it will be reduced significantly. And additionally, the price structure right now is artificially cheap because of government regulations. But if you actually look at the externalities, COP26 next week, they were talking a lot about carbon financing. If we look at the carbon footprint of the meat industry, and if we're pricing the impact on the environment, it's actually way more expensive. Government subsidies are pushing for the feed, making it cheaper, so that way we're able to go off and buy a burger patty for, you know, one pound, three pounds at a restaurant. Um, but once those subsidies start to shift and governments see this new push and are able to make this cultivated meat more accessible and a better price point, I see a point in 50 years where it's more expensive to eat um, a biological piece of meat than a cultivated piece of meat. Yeah. As it kind of does make sense that given the fact that mm. in a lab a, a beef could a steak could probably be grown within a matter of months rather than several years yeah. to breed like a huge cow and then you actually end up wasting a fast majority of the resources needed mm -hmm. and, and the poor cow itself. <laughs> um, and you already tackled a quite a, a couple of very concrete things that, that need to be done. You mentioned how in laboratories we can start producing um, both meat and dairy products. You talked about how government subsidies um, can help change the price structure so that from a price point of view that gets more approachable to the consumer. You talked a little bit about how the way we talk about it, mm. yeah, the words we use. Mm -hmm. I think you didn't call it lab meat. You, had like a, you didn't <laughs> call it clean meat. Yeah. Cultivated clean meat, right? Meat. How, how clean meat, cultivated meat can help us kind of put this to the consumer in a more attractive way than this like a weird stem cell meat. Um, can you maybe help us understand one or two other ways um, we can push this forward? Mm. What levers do we have right now to support these developments? Yes, I, I think there's definitely a cultural shift that's important. If you look especially in the U.S., there's a big anti-GMO, genetically modified organism movement, and kind of coupled with a more, I don't want to say anti-science, but that kind of fear of those incoming technologies. And so there is that cultural conversation of making people comfortable with the idea that you will, or it's ethical and not creepy, <laughs> to consume meat that's been produced in this laboratory. I see that as being a huge cultural barrier that we will be facing. Um, this can be done. A lot of vegetarian or vegan organizations starting to push that now. It's also just being yeah. done by conversations. First time I talked about this with my parents, their reaction was, that's so weird. <laughs> and it's frankenfood and it's creepy. And I think it will take us a time before a kind of cultural zeitgeist thinks it's acceptable. And it's, 
it will it will take time and it will be a barrier for sure. Uh, apart from this, what what else is needed for us to get there? Hmm. What else are steps that we can take to get this to us quicker? To get to us quicker, we do have to wait um, a little bit for the R and D to get there, and it's coming. Um, I think that big corporations can start should be investing in these startups and starting to look at how they will need to change their manufacturing, pulling up those factories. Um, it's a it's a complicated question, and I th- I think we are are still in the early stages. So it's the perfect time to be looking at startups, looking at R&D as COP26 makes carbon financing more concrete, seeing um, I see a lot of these maybe beef industries will be looking to invest in these startups to eventually get their carbon credits um, as those markets are strengthened. Yeah, absolutely. If you have a couple of billions to spend, then put it in here. Yeah. we talked a lot about kind of the uh, the macro environment. And I think next what I want to speak a little bit about more kind of to round this up is about what the next steps for you, Melissa. Uh, there's so much exciting things happening and so many of us are eager to, to move things ahead, to position us well. If I want to be part of this, how do I get in? Where do I go? What do I do? Yeah. So there's a really amazing resource I would recommend. It's the Good Food Institute. They're researching, lobbying, investing in startups, really cool thought leaders. It's a great place to start to learn more. Also, they have an amazing job board and they're connected to really cool startups actively working in the space that are going to be doing really amazing, innovative, disruptive things. Okay, so that's the Good Food Institute. Good Food Institute. Okay, that's the place to go to learn about it and to get a job. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or that's... to also just see who is working in it. It's a good place to understand the ecosystem a little bit better, especially yeah. if you're interested in the alternative proteins. Okay, really cool. Let's um, try to check it out, see who the players are, mm-hmm. who see the people are that are moving this ahead mm-hmm. to a further extent than recording podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about people who are recording podcasts about this, oh. uh, can you very briefly, kind of as an, as an end to this conversation, Melissa, help us understand what impact do you personally want to have in this field mm-hmm. and how is the Oxford MBA helping you out here? Yeah, I would really love to, in in the medium to short term, right after graduation, get into ethical and sustainable sourcing. So kind of procurement for a large agribusiness food company, understand how it really works. And then in a few years, transition into one of these companies that hopefully by then will be getting closer to coming to market and bringing those really good, strong business skills, which I'm definitely getting from my classes and learning a lot but also from um, incredible um, other students who have incredible experience, and then also from co-curriculars and different professors, different departments, who are really on the cutting edge of food systems and food sustainability and helping me understand and think of these issues in really interesting, nuanced ways. Okay, apart from, um, apart from kind of seeing where this is going and, and, and the kind of class you're doing right now, can you a little bit understand how, how doing an MBA fits mm. in this for you? I mean, you have been doing this for 15 years. You are an expert on this. I think cut yourself some slack here. Cut yourself a little steak here. Um, Not quite 15 kinda, years. <laughs> but, but yet you kind of managed to like, hold, in, hold on for a moment mm. and, and do an MBA. Can you talk a little bit kind of how, how, how this decision kind of fits in your journey here? 
Yeah. So um, personally, why I have more of the strategy lens, um, pretty down pat. I really don't understand the more finance analytics side. So I really came to business school to help get a wider understanding of how businesses actually function the real nitty gritty stuff. And that obviously is essential to food systems because yeah. it's such a, yeah. such a deeply um, yeah. complicated industry. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I, I truly hope you get everything you plan for. Same. Um, there's, <laughs> there's no doubt in, in that what you are doing really is the future of business. And, and it's, I think it's a, it's a very clear area that can really have transformative impact. Um, and I'm very curious to watch you and to, and to watch the space develop and to grow and to have the impact it deserves and get the attention it deserves mm-hmm. in, the, in the next years. Um, and I'm left here to say thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you. Um, thanks to you folks for listening. And I hope we'll, we're not going to see you, but I hope you, you hear us again, you listen to us again in the next episode of the Future of Business podcast. And until then, be kind to one another. Take care. <laughs>